Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Post Post Podcast, where I talk to creative minds, mostly in post-production, but not always, about their inspiring professional journeys. I'm your host, David Gidali, and this is episode four. My guest today is Aaron Nee. Uh, together with his brother, Adam, he's currently writing and is attached to direct Sony Pictures' He-Man, Masters of the Universe. It's going to be a huge budget film. Uh, it will hopefully launch a cinematic universe just like the Marvel and DC superhero series. And if that's not enough, they're also currently writing the Minecraft movie for Warner Brothers, another huge budget movie that the studio will likely try to create a cinematic universe around. Now, to me, this is all new developments. I mean, I met Aaron, I want to say, seven years ago and uh, at a party. Uh, we both kind of gravitated towards each other because we we're both visual effects artists uh, at the time. And uh, shortly after that, we started working together. We collaborated on a few projects. He actually hired me as a freelancer. Uh, and that's all I knew about him until one day he contacted me. It was after I directed my first feature. Uh, and he wanted to uh, hear what I had to say about my first AD, uh, my assistant director. Uh, because apparently he was directing his feature, Band of Robbers. It came out in two, 2015, uh, which was an indie movie uh, for less than a million dollars. And it was just a crazy kind of development from Band of Robbers, uh, an indie film, to suddenly being attached to write and direct such a huge kind of franchise film. It sounds quick, though. In reality, it's not that quick. Turns out he actually directed his first feature back in 2006. It's called The Last Romantic. And they sold uh, pilots for TV series in the meanwhile. So it was just all an illusion. He was never just a VFX artist. He was always working really hard behind the scenes and trying to push his filmmaking career. Uh, so that's really exciting and surprising and inspiring. Uh, we recorded this episode of Mike Place. It was really inspiring to hear Aaron break down each step in his path towards fulfilling his lifetime goal uh, of becoming a filmmaker, balancing the need to provide for his family, moving to the West Coast, learning from, from the mistakes he made along the way and really working and pushing relentlessly. You'll notice that our conversation naturally surrounded around the theme of being in control, finding the path of least resistance and choosing the direction that requires uh, as fewer external permissions as possible. Just like Tom Reshad, my last guest, Aaron believes the most important thing is just to go out and create, not wait for the stars to align and be ready to invest a huge amount of energy and make significant sacrifices along the way. Anyway, I believe this episode really has a lot to offer. Uh, it's a very focused episode. Somehow our conversation was kind of on spot. I listened to it again just now. And it's a really easy listen, um, if I may say so myself. In fact, I've been uh, recording episodes faster than the rate that I've been releasing them uh, which means, at least for the foreseeable future, there's no reason to assume I won't be releasing on a weekly basis. So if you want to make sure that you don't miss episodes and they keep popping in your feed, just you know follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the Apple Podcasts feed, or the SoundCloud, or the Stitcher uh, websites. And that's it. With this, I give you episode four of the Post Post Podcast. sort of on accident got into doing visual effects and, and motion design and um, how is and, that by accident like well I 
I was, I'm trying to think of how far back to go in the, yeah. in the story. Um, I, I, um, my wife and I got married real young and, and we had a child on the way sooner than we were expecting. And so, um, coming like right out of, uh, right out of college and, so I was in Florida at the time I was planning on going. We were both going to go to Los Angeles and try to start building a career in the film industry. Um, and, but then, you know, realizing, oh, we've got no money and we've got a baby on the way. And like, what do we do? And so I started, uh, like, I got the Central Florida film production offices list of companies and just started going down the list, just calling everybody. And this would have been like uh, 2000 three i think gotcha um and the everybody i called like i would call people who sounded like they were on gonna cry on the phone just being like yeah we're going out of business um like there's when i started you know just like maybe not many years before this time there was this talk of Orlando is going to be the Hollywood East. Nickelodeon was shooting uh, some of their shows there. Um, you know, Universal Studios had opened up there. And so there were some small productions coming in. And there were people who were moving from the West Coast to the Orlando area and opening up production companies. And there were tax incentives there or not? They, well, that's one of the things that people think Orlando blew it is that uh, they – they didn't. Uh, they weren't aggressive with their tax incentives, uh-huh. and so productions started going. You know, forget this. Like you've, mm-hmm. it rains all summer long, and <laughs> uh, and you know that we don't have the tax incentives, and so you know, why are we here? What? Why are we going to do this? And and so the, all that kind of energy of Hollywood East was really evaporating at the time that I was now trying to find a job. And so I remember like just going down and calling all of these companies and they're just like, we're barely alive or we're closing our doors. What were you hoping to, what kind of job were you looking for? Like a uh, set person? Uh, anything. anything. At that, at that point, it was just kind of like anything I can do to be, to just be employed. Um, gotcha. Cause it's like, I got a kid on the way. I got to do something. And uh, in film though, because in, in, in film, because I, so I had, um, because I was just going to go out west and, you know, just sort of like do whatever, like you know, just get onto any production that you yeah. can and 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 try to uh, work towards something, or or maybe like I was even you know entertaining making an independent movie or or, or something. But at this point, I was just like, okay, well, actually, I need to be gamefully employed. <laughs> um, and uh, I the job I ended up getting that was like kind of remotely related to the entertainment business was with, I think the name of the company was Model Scout or Talent Scout or something like that. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a company that Lou Pearlman owned um, of, uh, what was it, uh, Backstreet Boys, I think. Or, uh, he was, Carl, he's like a, man- a manager or like an agent? So, yeah, so he, he was behind some of the uh, boy bands, the big boy bands who, who came oh. out of Orlando, but then also That's was cool. notorious for like the, everybody, all of these bands were suing him because um, <laughs> the guy's a crook. And um, at this time, uh, I, I, I got this, this job um, 
thinking, okay, it's got some sort of like remote connection to the entertainment industry, but more importantly, there's an insurance package um, <laughs> if you if you work there long, you know, for the three month, ninety days, or whatever it was. Um, uh, but as I got in there and realized real quickly, like it's a boiler room kind of scenario where like. That you've got they, the company has somebody at the mall who takes pictures of strangers, gets their information, is like, oh, you should be a model, uh-huh. um, and then and then uh, my job was to then call those people and and go, yeah, you know, I'm looking at the pictures that were taken, and uh, you know, I think we got a great opportunity for just like you know a thousand. It's like it was nine hundred or a thousand dollars or something like that. Um, you can be represented by this, and we're you know related to all these other agencies, and you know it's we'll like get you acting, job opportunities. Gig. Yeah, and it was <laughs> basically you know instead of like you getting a legitimate rep who takes a percentage of your earnings, it's you pay to be represented. Um, uh, and so, like, I, I started realizing pretty quickly, like, this is uh, this is kind of shady. Like, what is going <laughs> on here? I was just realizing, that even like in the job interview, they weren't they were lying to me. And now, I, I uh, um, so you know, when I first started, but the you job, were at least you weren't paying for doing what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, pay um, us a thousand dollars, and we'll let you call people and I, pretend. That- yeah, exactly. I, I. Uh, um, you know, realized pretty quickly it was a scam, but then it was like, okay, well, am I going to leave this job uh, when I've got like a baby on the way and like I'll have to start over somewhere else and trying to work toward the 90 days to get uh, health insurance. And, um, but it got to the point where it's like, realized, no, this is just like a full on unethical scam. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to be a part of scamming people. And so I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take what, I have on a credit card. I'm going to buy a PD-150 um, camera and um, a, a computer, and I'm just going to start my own production. Wow. And just start going out and making stuff. And so, this is like uh, talking about taking risks. Yeah. Like, it, and, and having a baby on the way. That's a, that's a pretty strong kind of decision to make. Yeah. It, it, um, it, it kind of uh, sort of... I don't know why... Weren't you discouraged or, or worried, especially after have, making all those phone calls and seeing how just desperate people are sounding in the business that day? Or? Yeah, I think I just wanted to uh, take some kind of control. And, and that's been sort of like the lesson that I keep relearning in new ways is that the degree to which you just have to decide to take control like, uh, of the situation. And that was... In my mind, that was that was the the way that I could go. <clears throat> I'm not going to wait for somebody else to hire me. I'm just going to make my own company, right? And just step out there and do it, and you know, you know, make the website and create the branding and all of that. And so it was in doing that that I started looking at okay, well, what software am I going to edit on, and what computer am I going to get, and then going to like um, the computer dealers and they, I, 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 the place that I was going to buy my computer from, they were having somebody come in sometime in the week to do a talk on, um, uh, uh, who owned it at the time? I think Autodesk had it, uh, combustion. No, maybe it was pre Autodesk. It was discreet. discreet. Yeah, it was discreet. discreet combustion. Um, and they were coming and doing a talk on, on combustion. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Combustion is a it's compositing software. Compositing software. Does it still exist? Was no. it wasn't it like a, a cheaper version of Flame? Yes, it yeah. was. So it was. Um, it was maybe like in terms of like uh, 
in terms of level of uh, professionalism, it would be like After Effects, right? But it but it was nodal, so it wasn't like After node Effects. Based, it was like node Nuke based, and, yeah, yeah. And fusion, yeah. And so I saw that and I was like, oh, that would be really interesting to like. I was just thinking about you know, how can I make the things that I'm making interesting and expand what kind of services I can offer and and already like just um, in in film school I was doing just like very primitive visual effects uh, with the limited tools that I had. Okay, so it wasn't your first foray into visual. So effects. it wasn't my first foray really. Like, but like the stuff that I did was like super primitive. Like, um, there was uh, there was an artist who I got hired early on to shoot a promotional video for his his artwork, and I wanted to do something where I took his face and I transitioned from his face into uh, a, a, a painting that he had done. Oh. Nice, like and, a morph. Yeah, morph, like a, a morph kind of effect. Uh, effect. And so <laughs> I um, I did it in f- Photoshop frame by frame. Wow. Because um, that was the tool I had. And right. so like I just like frame by frame was just like making the adjustments and then taking all those frames. and, st- and I uh, just remember I think the first, the first animation software I used, I think, was Animator Pro or something like that. Or maybe it was... I, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think I did get that too to do like some sketch uh, uh, cell animation right. kind of style stuff yeah that was kind of because that was you know that was my inspiration into into stars like those Disney movies and, and being like wow like those you know those drawings are moving how do they how do they do that and I, yeah I remember uh, as I don't remember what age as a teenager seeing some promotional piece for animation software and it didn't fully occur to me. Like, I somehow I got a book on it, uh, like a, a promotional booklet. Right. I don't remember how I, 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 I got it. But um, seeing that, and it was just like, is that a thing that I could do? Like, <laughs> is that, a, you know, it seems so, like, far away, and you need a big crew, and you need, like, all these people. I remember a time where those booklets were the thing that excited you. You know, uh-huh. like... When you got something printed that's like so colorful and stuff. Nowadays we kind of take it for granted, but back in the day it was like, oh, I, I, I want to do this just because I can. Like it makes me want to flip the, you know, flip through the pages and, and make use of them. Yeah, I, I, I remember that the. So maybe this would help me figure out when it was uh, that the, uh, the booklet. One of the things it was showcasing were frames from the uh, Asterix movie which oh. never made it to the US I don't think um, yeah no I think it was a French right it's yeah. made in France or yeah. Belgium yeah and, uh, and and seeing those and it was promoting the software used you know I have a friend who worked on that on the Asterix movie oh really yeah I'm gonna probably bring him on the podcast in a few weeks too like he's uh, he's an old friend he's writing he's a cool, cool guy he's writing he's a story now he's a story artist well who's uh, head of story on a feature in Canada, Vancouver. And he's also making a book about creativity. Like he, he, is, he made it, he publishes in different like uh, mediums and stuff. And it's a cool, cool book. But yeah, I mean, it just side digress for a second. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of roll back with, because we, we, we never actually made a proper introduction for the podcast <laughs> here. But, uh, so I'm sitting here in front of Aaron Nee. <laughs> Uh, do you mind like uh, briefly introducing yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, um, I. So, yeah, I'm Aaron Nee. Um, I we know each other kind of through the I 
I guess the intersection of visual effects and film and music. Like we met through a musician, right? A composer, composer, Ross Howard, uh, yeah. Third. And both, I think, may, maybe we're introduced to each other as directors, but also we're both doing visual effects. And that's yeah. and 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 the way that we got to know each other was like from collaborating on some uh, visual effects projects. Right. Um, uh, um, but now uh, I I. I still am involved on some level of some motion graphics things and a little bit of visual effects stuff, but uh, uh, my my bread and butter right now is as a writer and director, and and really like mostly as a writer right now, like I'm attached as a director to to um, to something, but most of the work that I've been doing for the past two or three years um, has been writing. Writing a commission on, on existing films. For feature films, yeah. Feature and, films. And TV, yeah. So, uh, and are you allowed to say anything about this project right now? Uh, I can say, a, I guess I can say what's in the trades. So that's yeah. <laughs> about as much as I can say. So, like, right now, um, the uh, the most current projects that uh, that I have, I, I, I co-write and co-direct with, with my brother Adam, and uh, we, we just finished a, a, uh, a draft of uh, Masters of the Universe, uh, He-Man Masters of the Universe for uh, Columbia Pictures and Sony, and just finished a draft of Minecraft for Warner Brothers. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, you don't know who's going to direct Minecraft, obviously. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll probably throw our hat in the ring. Um, if, if, uh, if, well, uh, step that back. That will... We'll, it depends on what their schedule is going to be, because um, right now we are attached as directors to Masters of the Universe, um, and if we can make both of those things work, great. Um, that would be awesome. Like we would love to. Uh, we, we really like what we've d- done with with Minecraft, and and think it's going to be a great movie. So it would be, it would be terrific to be able to to work on that too. It might not. Um, it might not be viable to uh, to with, with with the schedule to have both of those projects. Okay, so right now, as far so far, we know that you um, got into visual effects after seeing some demonstration of combustion, <laughs> and you're directing Masters of the Universe and Minecraft. Uh, There's a bit of a gap in between. Yeah. I'm hoping to kind of fill in the blanks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but that's a cool a cool way to start, you know, because uh, clearly uh, you've done something right, especially since. Uh, You've already said that you got into visual effects as part of, like, in in the journey that you've already kind of set up for yourself to to come to Los Angeles and make films. And I assume making films was kind of your first passion. Visual effects kind of became a... You know, it kind of... I, I, I... Coming out of high school, I I wasn't sure if I was going to be an illustrator, uh, a musician, uh, an actor, a director, or a writer. Um, I like I I was trying to do all of those things. I was uh, involved with all of it, and and film was the thing where like I didn't have to really give up any of them. Right. That was the place where maybe you know I'm not going to get to do all of those roles, but I will be involved with the dramatic arts and I'll be involved with the literary arts and with the visual arts and with music and, and all of those things. And so, so it was kind of a, the, the it was the way to have my cake and eat it too. And right. so that 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 kind of is what 
made me be in there, but that that interest in all of those things is also why I was able to um, branch off into visual effects and 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 not just visual effects, but like really more of the 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 work that I guess maybe I'll just try to catch up to it in the narrative, but like mo- more of what was was. Uh, supporting me was motion graphic design. Yeah. And so it was really kind of that design intersection with uh, visual effects. But I think also music plays a big role in motion graphics. Like it's, uh, it, it, it does. And, and I, 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 my approach to, and this with motion design too, like I approached motion design as like an intersection with uh, an intersection of rhythm and pacing and things like that, that you find in music uh, with static graphic design, yeah, and so it was a it was a way of, of that was one of the kind of appealing, exciting things about it is it was a, a marriage of some of the some of those the, those elements of not just not just that you, the motion designs would be set to music often, but animation itself has uh, operates on a lot of the same principles right, exactly. of, of rhythm and, and and harmonizing visuals in the same way that you harmonize notes. And, um, I mean, I can clearly see it in your work. I mean, the work that I was exposed to from through Grove that, that, um, have a very strong, you know, sense of harmony and symmetry. I think I actually remember us talking about that when you, uh, gave, when I was animating for one of your motion graphics pieces, I was doing some, some 3d animated, uh, 3d animations and, uh, of something kind of collapsing and rebuilding itself. Remember for the NAB thing, mm-hmm. and um, I remember the note you gave me about uh, some of the early passes was that you wanted more symmetry, and it totally made sense. And you know, I, I, I keep it kind of as a. I learned a lot yeah. in that moment, but it was very. Uh, it's a very musical kind of. I I do, like I, I realized that uh, um, a lot of the notes that I, I will give, it will have to do with rhythm and harmony. Yeah. Um, cause that, that's just, that's the way that I process and think about those things. And that's the way that I think about, you know, movies too, and editing a movie where you're, you're having to balance the narrative demands of, you know, we've got to cover this information and the actor needs to move at the pace that feels right to them and everything. But, uh, but that, but that ultimately you're trying to maintain a, a rhythm to all of it uh, so that like with a piece of music, you can get into a groove and kind of know where it's going. And if you kind of know where it's going, then you can surprise the audience yeah. in the places that you subvert that. Totally. It's a great way, I think, to, um, to, to, to describe that, that process. And, and it's something that I find missing a lot in, in film schools, for instance, like uh-huh. I, you know, I went to AFI. Um, I also studied, Music, and I feel like you know a lot of what I use as a director comes from that as, as opposed to you know narrative rules and everything that's important but uh, you know i didn't like i took a few editing classes, but it's you know editing was a lot about okay you need you know what do we need to know or how do we but it's there's not enough attention i think sometimes in in uh, especially in formal school to you know to the rhythm you mm-hmm. know, how many beat Beat per second is a scene. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, you know, kind of like the the the, the layman approach, or the, the I think is like to just put a, a soundtrack underneath and and then cut to that, and that mm-hmm. helps because kind of it automatically yeah, fulfills it, that. Helps you when you direct movie, yeah. as well, when you're on set, when you especially if you're doing like long takes, 
where you can't uh, you can't rely on editing to to set the the, the the rhythm of the scene. You have to kind of have it in your head and, and see it uh, on the day. Yeah. Um, so that's a. And were you a musician? Would you consider yourself I, a musician? Uh, I didn't. I don't have any formal training as a musician, but I like I, I do write music. As a matter of fact, early on, in addition to like learning vi- visual effects to have in stuff, I was also writing the music for oh, cool. pieces um, <laughs> because you know I was it, it kind of it, you know it, like with any small shop. Um, everybody's got to wear a lot of hats. And if you want to try and like push your thing to the next level, it usually means you just have to do more. Right. And, and so I, you know, I was at the same time that I was learning visual effects, I was like learning a lot more about music, but but before I uh, had even like started down the road of a, a film uh, career while I was in college, uh, my brother and I were like, putting together a band too. And we're just kind of thinking, Hey, if this goes, maybe that's the direction we go in. Like, so like it was still open. It was going (laughs) to kind of see, okay, what takes. So was your brother involved in a lot of the things you've done? Like when you went into visual effects, was he also a part of that? He was not involved in the visual effects. Um, you know, that, that is one of the things that we did, did not, uh, uh, collaborate in, but in all of the, the, well, let's see. I, I guess I I did like some work for hire, like um, film production stuff, uh, uh, separate from him. But but for the most part, a, a, any video production things and, and, and writing we've we've done together. And so both of our first fe- uh, feature films were collab collaborations. And um, was that Band of Robbers, or did you have a feature? We, that? So we actually had one before it. So you know, to sort of like add to the craziness of, of everything uh, when um, let's see my my son was just turning one I think so this was still relatively new after like buying uh, equipment and computers and stuff like that and 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 doing things like shooting wedding videos and um, local commercials and stuff like that and just kind of like whatever video production thing we can get our hands on. I was doing that with my wife who also uh, uh, shoots and edits. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so we were, we were partnering uh, on that and while she was pregnant, while she was pregnant. And matter of fact, like the day before she went into labor, we were shooting a wedding. Um, No way. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, So she's as crazy as you are essentially, or maybe even more. Maybe crazier. (laughs) Maybe crazier. And, we so anyway my my brother and i started writing um a let's see what we made we made a short that we we worked on together uh and he was living in new york at the time trying to get work as an actor and and you know and getting some work you know uh, on tv shows and so we shot a short and then we started working on writing a feature and then decided you know what let's it was sort of a like a quarter million dollar kind of budget feature. And we just decided, you know what, let's just, let's just go make something. Let's just, uh, uh, we weren't thinking of it as being quite the monumental undertaking that like it really turned out to be. But it was like, I've got cameras 
and sound equipment and I've got the tools that we need to edit and uh, you know we've got friends we had, he, connections that he was making as an actor in New York and we were just like we just set a date and pounded out a script and went to, to make it on a, uh, I think our budget ended up being like $18,000 wow it was you know, and that was basically covering f- food for people and by that and point you kind of already knew what eighteen thousand dollars would get to like you you wrote something for that for roughly that number yeah yeah uh okay. and, and and you were just kind of looking at like uh, how do we steal this like this will be totally guerrilla style and we're like right. let's find the locations and and um we were we were um you know stealing shots in the new york subway and you know that kind so of it's thing a new york lo- located film. yeah yeah you didn't go to like a cabin in the woods or something like shot that. the you whole actually, thing and wow. shot the whole thing in new york yeah did you use any lights at all or was uh, <laughs> a little, we, we really macgyvered it with the lights and so like uh had uh, a few different scenarios of things that i put together from stuff that i got at home depot um <laughs> and so some of it was just like you know the work floodlights um and some of it was uh just getting like different like bulbs that I strung along a, a board um, and, wow. and, 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 and uh, uh, you know, hooked up to a battery so that we can kind of take it wherever. <laughs> um, so it was like, it, we were really um, shoestringing it. Shoestringing it. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they call that. Yeah. It's the definition. And uh, how did it turn out? Are you guys happy with it? Well, I mean, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's uh, at this point like an old work and so like you sort of look at it as an old work we shot it on the AG, uh, AGDVX 100 the Panasonic okay uh, yeah. you know the, and, and in some respects I think our timing was so that was not even uh, HD or was it no standard def wow. um, okay. and, and this is like that was the first camera that was shooting 24p oh um, and 24 progressive and um, uh, so like that was a, that was like a, a brand new thing and we we discovered that we were in the middle of like a game changing moment where different people i knew who had experience in the industry which was not a lot of people but everybody had a different attitude about what it means to make a feature film and what it means to like have that under your belt and to have sold the film and all that kind of stuff just meant something different. And it all was changing right there at that moment that we were stepping out there and making this. In what way? What, it, what was it like before? It, it, and before, like it meant a lot more that you had made a feature film. Yeah. And so like just the fact that you had made it, like that meant something. Uh, whereas like all of a sudden there was just like, Hey, we made a movie for 18,000. Well, like Hundreds of people were making them for five thousand or for three hundred dollars or for <laughs> was that, whatever. What movies came out that time? Uh, was it uh, so this Blair was Witch Project something? Blair or? Witch Project um, had uh, Blair Witch Project had been out for a little bit longer. That had been out for a few years, I think, at that point. Um, mm. But the movies like Tadpole, um, which was shot mini DV, like it was, it was pretty new that there were things getting shot mini DV. And, um, and those movies like, you know, we're still like selling for $250,000 or something like that. So it's right. like, Oh, quick, cool. Like if you can go and make it for 20, you're yeah, going to make, make a profit. Yeah. Um, and, but we, we made it, we sold it to IFC. Um, we, um, 
uh, you know, had good festival play and, and, and in our minds and the people around us too is like, okay, great, good, you're you're set. Um, now you'll be able to get commercials and music videos and, and stuff like that. We, we got uh, out of our premiere, we got representation at William Morris. Wow. And so it was just like, okay, you know, good rep, you know, a, a great agency. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, sold IFC like that, you know, the, uh, it was like, okay, great. We've got distribution, we've got, uh, representation, we've got, you know, we should be able to like, just go out there and now get work. Yeah. You can sell your yeah. VFX, uh, workstations. Exactly. Already, like, yeah, yeah. We can be, um, and, um, what we found is that, um, one, the, like uh, an eye opener was that, nobody cared that we had sold the movie like wow. like in terms of like going trying to get like commercial work they're like okay well what commercials have you made and right. our agent is like no i represent you as filmmakers i don't re- represent you for music videos or commercials uh and so we had to like reforge our way there um and we started like we we got some some good music video opportunities um and uh, and we're starting to get some play. Like we had, uh, we did a video for a fine frenzy that ran all summer long on VH1 and, and stuff like that too. Where we're like, okay, cool. Now we're breaking into that. Um, and the um, uh, recession hit, and so the bands oh, no. who we were working with, their budgets, their music video budgets, like just disappeared um and uh um and then like we were we had written a couple of different spec feature films that we were going to try to raise money for and we were targeting like five million dollar budget for that stuff and at this at this time we're both living in different places too my my brother's living in new york and i was still living in florida um which oh that was before you even went to LA. i hadn't even moved to la yet oh. um and 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 this is where like making that feature film was like a, a blessing and a curse and that making that feature film meant I couldn't afford to move to LA <laughs> <laughs> because you know, I just spent all my own money uh, on that. And, um, and so now like I had to get out from underneath making that movie um, and couldn't take this big gamble of like trying to move my, my family to LA Um and it was it was really when like the music video stuff started picking up, and I was traveling to LA to shoot that stuff. That I was like, okay, it's time. We just need to do this, um, take that leap. And that was 2008, and so the recession hit right oh, when no. we right when we landed in LA. There was a writer's strike, and the recession hit. That was the best time to buy uh, to buy a property in LA. Though. Uh, yeah, I was not <laughs> in a position to do it. <laughs> um, and and that is when. Um, uh, my sister-in-law was like, "Hey, you know." So at this point, the music videos we had worked on, uh, I had done after uh, some extensive After Effects work in some of the music videos and in some of the com- like local commercial things, and uh, in even in uh, our, our movie, The Last Romantic, the the the, the movie feature. we shot in New York, the feature. Um, there were a lot of things that I, I spent a tremendous amount of time working on color processing and grading and right. um and 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 removing things that from the background that we couldn't have there and stuff like that and so like i was and actually that i was doing in combustion um i was still working in no combustion base. at that time yeah 
Right now, are you using After Effects mostly? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I transitioned from motion. Yeah, I transitioned into After Effects as I started transitioning more into motion design, and and, right. and they stopped updating Combustion. So, like, I had uh, it was, another factor was that uh, my sister in law had been working in Boston doing motion design stuff for uh, productions coming out of WGBH, out of the public broadcast okay. uh, stuff there. So like American Experience and Frontline and things like that right. that have a lot of um, need for info animations and, mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. She, she was doing that stuff. She was using After Effects and she was like, hey, if you need some supplemental income, I can pass some of this work along to you, but you need to work in After Effects because that's our pipeline. Gotcha. That's what kind of got you. And so that's what switched me to working in After Effects. And that is when I like I really started realizing um, uh, things. there were things like Andrew Kramer was starting to put his stuff out at that time, and these resources were popping up. And so I started digging into it and realizing, boy, there's a lot that I can do yeah just with these limited software tools and so i started like really really digging into it and putting a lot of time and energy at the same time we had my brother and i had a feature film that we had written that we were working with producers on we were in development we thought we were moving toward going into production on it and i was just trying to like bring in income while we were waiting for that movie to go well, the movie didn't go, but the visual effects stuff like really started taking off. How did that happen? Is that do you did it all start with the contacts you had through your through uh, my sister in law? So and and I, she had like kind of her niche that she was working in, and I was sort of expanding that because I was pushing toward other. My interests were more toward the visual effects yeah. side of things initially, and her she was more focused on the kind of motion design you would have for documentaries and right. and that kind of thing. And so uh, it started expanding the kind of things that she could offer her clients. She was like, oh, well, you know, I got a guy I work with who does that. Oh, cool. And so we started sort of building it out. And that's when I said to her, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start a, a production company. Let's just... Like, if you're down with it, let's just channel everything through that. Um, that's when I started Grow. Gotcha. Grow is your... Gro- is it still... Does it still exist, Grow? It does. Um, it, it, um, it's, it's sort of like a collective at this yeah. point. Um, in that I've got my sister-in-law, Elisa, um, who... How many siblings do you have? I, I'm the oldest of nine. Nine? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. she could be... She's not Aaron... Uh, she's not uh, uh, Adam's uh, wife, is she? No, no. This is this is uh, my uh, my wife's sister. Oh, your wife's sister. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so, so she's uh, she's based in uh, Boston, um, and uh, so a lot of her clients are in there or in New York, and uh, um, and then uh, you know, I'm based in Los Angeles and. I've become less involved in terms of like hands-on doing stuff. I just haven't been able to. Um, but then I, I, right before making Band of Robbers, brought out my brother, another brother of mine, Jonathan, and uh, brought him into the fold on doing stuff. I think he was with us when we were working together in the office, maybe. No. I don't remember. No, maybe not. No, I, I, maybe he wasn't yet. Um I'm trying to, yeah, I don't remember. 
So right now, bro, uh, is it, has it been growing? <laughs> it, it was growing. The pun. Yeah, it was growing uh, real fast. And I kind of, I, 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 I think we had a conversation about this before where I reached this crossroads of realizing, okay, I can either be expanding my, just like, I was just bringing in freelancers. Yes. So like the constants were my brother, Jonathan and Elisa and myself, and then everybody else were freelancers. And, um, I was looking at like, well, what does that transition look like if I bring in more permanent positions and start trying to expand things that right. way? Because it was feeling like maybe that would make sense. We, uh, I had enough regular clients and, and there were the jobs that were coming along where I felt like I couldn't take those because I couldn't expand I didn't have the infrastructure to expand quickly enough to absorb that kind of job and so I I was having to make that decision okay well am I going to do that I was kind of at this crossroads and that's when we got the movie Band of Robbers going yes and that kind of sort of answered that question for me so clearly decided not to go the route of like uh, making it into a uh, a studio with full-time workers yeah um, because you, I guess your, uh, rationale was just, it, it would require too much attention and too much, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that it would, uh, to, it would be sort I, I realized that it was going to be sort of like starting over in that it wouldn't be like bringing on a few more people on the machine is just running itself. It would be a whole new level of expenditure to be able to get that infrastructure in a place where we could support support the kind of work that would have to be getting pulled in to then support the staff. And, uh, and, and to do that, like I, I knowing having like back when I started my video production company, that was just me and a couple, my wife and a, and a couple of cameras, um, and then, and then getting grow, grow going, um, like I, I had a good sense of what it means to start a company. Yeah. And I knew it's going to demand a lot of me and I'm not going to be able to give it the attention and give the attention that I also knew, like making our next feature film, not just making that film, but the lessons that I had learned from our first feature film in terms of what you do after you make your movie is just as important as making that movie. Of course. Yeah. And so I knew, I, I knew with, with, so with band of robbers, um, this was another reason too. Like I just kind of kept staying on that threshold of like how much I'm going to expand the visual effects is I wanted to have the freedom to go off and make a feature film. And you talking about band of robbers or the one that comes after band of robbers. Well, so, so band of robbers, um, just, yeah, at that point, like I didn't know it was going to be Band of Robbers, but I knew I, I wanted to try and make another feature film. Yeah, and um, and I knew because I, I also had been thinking about not expanding, grow, and me going and trying to work at a bigger place. Oh, interesting. And and, and try to maybe grow my career there, uh, and just and you'll know, learn what I can learn from being as a, a as a visual effects supervisor. Or, yeah, or something yeah, something like yeah, yeah. That, that was something that I was entertaining. But I knew like if I start digging into that, I'm not going to get to make a feature film. Yeah, 
Like you, just, you, you said that briefly, and I said just okay, but yeah. I think it's probably worth, uh, you know, kind of spending a, a few words on it. Uh, the, the concept of like of making a feature film and also uh, being ready for uh, for what comes next, because usually, I mean, people assume that the first feature is the hardest thing, you know, is the hardest one, but actually, it's the second one because the first one, you you know. Once you got it kind of in motion and there's momentum and finally somehow miraculously you get it financed and you actually go out and make it that's um that's challenging you're doing something you've never done before you you're learning in the process, but you know in a way you're surrounded by people usually that have done it before or if not you know you're all kind of in this in this in it uh, together in it yeah. together but what comes the next day or the next morning let's say once you wake up and there you have a feature under your belt and people come to you and you're like hey now it's time for my career to to blossom and then you know the next question is usually what what else you got yeah. or you know what do you want to do now you know yeah and of course you want to direct features but do you have your next project and if you don't you what you find out real quick is that people don't just show up and you know hand, hand over hand, like yeah. a script that is like you know perfect and this is hey we're just looking for a director for this movie it's usually different and um maybe it's worth like i don't know if you if you if you can talk about but i i know about one instance where you were uh after you did uh banner robbers where you were running up for for a big feature yeah um you had to work really hard on, on a pitch for it and i assume there was there were others as well so what was the process after band of robbers yeah well so <clears throat> Maybe to ex- explain it a little bit, I'll backtrack a little to that first movie that we we made, uh, The Last Romantic, where you know we got representation and we had um, we had our, our, we were both live. Adam was living in New York, I was living in Central Florida, and um, and our representation was in Los Angeles. And our agent is just like, hey, listen, I want to set you up with a meeting here and a meeting here and a meeting here and this and this and like, when are you guys going to be out here? How do we? Uh, orchestrate this and we really did not appreciate how important that side of things was interesting Um, that like a couple of things one we didn't appreciate how quickly the window was going to close that anybody would meet with us Mm -hmm. Um, so by the time we got to Los Angeles which was like a year after the movie you know, went, did its festival premiere and all that stuff. That's a long time a year. That's a long time. And our agent was like, okay, well, what am I going to go out with? Um, you, 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 people aren't just going to take a meeting with you just Let's because... Pretend the movie just came yeah, out yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it's just like, you know, we realized that window had closed. Now, the other thing that we didn't realize is how important those meetings are because it's like, they're general meetings. Uh, right. You just like... It, it, all you do in those meetings is you go and you sit down and they're like, oh, so tell us where you come from and how did you get started? And it's just like, it's very general. Yeah. Uh, they're like they're, they're, they're aptly named uh, generals. Um, and so they don't feel very important. Right. Um, with Band of Robbers, we not only went into the process of getting the movie financed and getting it made and all that stuff a, a little bit differently than we did. The The biggest thing was that we went into it with the mentality that that next year after we finished this movie, that we're not going to just like go back to our 
lives. Um, but instead, like there's going to be uh, at least a year of our full time job is going to be meetings and festivals and it just everything, every networking opportunity yeah. that we can possibly get, we're going to take and uh, and uh, and and be aggressive about it. You know, aggressively pursuing those meetings, aggressively going out to pitch things, and when going out to pitch those things, like being, uh, like really pouring ourselves into those pitches. Yeah. And that, you know, that more so than having made the movie and the movie selling and getting distribution and all that stuff, I think it's, it's that year of meetings that meant the most and then all and and those pitches and so like you said like one of they were sorry how how are you aggressive in a general like what what is the Uh, aggressive not in the general but aggressive about taking them because right you know it's you live in los angeles you know that like just having a meeting can take three hours out of your day right can be take four hours hours out of your day yeah um just one meeting just getting across town and all of that stuff and so it, it's like it, we, I don't know, we've probably had like 200 some odd meetings since wow. Band of Robbers. And, it's like another uh, baby right there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, it's, and when you figure how many hours every one of those meetings takes up, it's that's that's a lot of time. And, yeah. and so you have to, it's really easy to just go, Eh, what's the point? Uh, and like, uh, you know, we don't, there are places too that you're like, uh, that's not necessarily a place that we want to have a project at. Why yeah. go meet there? But you have to, because that person then says to somebody else, Oh, I had this great meeting with so-and-so or that person moved. Like everybody's moving around so much. We talked about, uh, before we uh, started this podcast, I know we, we were talking about uh, how small of a town it is. Right. Everybody um, knows each other and everybody knows each other. And like, we've really, seen how true that is with doing these these meetings um it's like uh, the representation that we have we have because we went in and did a general and then the person who we did a general was meeting with an agent and the agent's like who do you know who's interesting it's like oh you should check out these knee brothers yeah and so that's where then got that agent to then watch the movie and then that's that's how we're uh, we we, uh, are now at caa with um uh, agents who who are who are great um, have been just terrific, and that came out of a general of, meeting. From my experience, I'm sure you're you had a similar experience where even before having an agent, uh, the best situation to be in is when you have multiple people talking about you, and you know you then you suddenly have agents kind of with uh, FOMO, you know, if you're mm-hmm. missing out, you're yes. like, yeah, they're after you. They want to sign you on because they know if it's, if they're not going to do it, someone else will. And there's this, like, it, it happens very quickly in this town because everybody speaks to each other. And it, yeah. it takes very little for a name to become like a hot name. I feel like, you yeah. Know, it's, if, if you hear about a person from more than one person, you know, you know that they've been around like, and everybody probably knows them by now. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, and, and, and that, uh, you know, proved true that like it, those those meetings became more important than the than the movie's release because people who have not seen the movie now know about us yeah. and um and and you've got to like be in people's mind and 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 get in the room so that then when the project pops up you're on that 
list of names in their head. Uh, Did you ever think to yourself maybe the maybe a feature film wasn't even necessary? Like maybe a, a cool short that people w- would be more accessible to. I, I was I was deliberate. So before we made Band of Robbers, I was also getting ready to potentially make a short. Um, I had a, f- a few different things. There was a there was a, a short that I wrote that I was looking at doing. There was uh, a feature version of that short that we actually were, Adam and I were going around and uh, pitching. And and then there was Band of Robbers, which um, we ultimately decided, okay, this is the one we're going to get behind. It seemed the most realistic for like, for being able to need as few people's permission as possible to make it. It was, a, you know, going back to that, like taking control. Yeah. It, it was sort of like buying that, those first two PD one fifties and a, and a computer to edit on. It was just like, how, what's the scenario where I'm not waiting for somebody else to give me permission to make something. What was the budget on that? On band of robbers. It was, it was under a million, uh, all in, I think, you know, it, it, it came out to like seven, 50 uh, um, but needless to say it was not self-financed you had a, it was not self-financed yeah you a distributor um, attached when you started or was it we didn't no we didn't. we didn't get a distributor until after we finished wow yeah. okay so if someone took a risk uh early yeah on, yeah that's cool yeah and and, and it was you know it, that was cobbled together from a, a group of people um uh and even that you know i i think visual effects had a a a, a, a played a part in um in that one of the production companies i did their logo oh for really? them. okay yeah. and i did this really like over the top way more than they paid for um uh um uh animated logo for their um for their company and i you know got in you made a, a a good relationship out of that. Is that why all like big production companies logos look so cool? Because people are like, <laughs> you know, we'll make the logo like you know yeah. kick ass, and then we'll get a movie made yeah. <laughs> off of that. Uh, that's it, funny. Yeah, it certainly helped with a, a big piece of our our financing. So between uh, between Band of Robbers and uh, and your first feature, um, how how many years have passed? Well. I think it was I'm trying to remember when we started shooting Band of Robbers um we is it that no no not Band of Robbers I mean uh, the fir- the first feature uh, the last romantic um was a pretty drawn out thing that was something where we were like hey let's just set a date and just go do it and this will be our little thing and then we're going to make a big thing right Right. after because we were trying to get something bigger and we're like let's not wait for that to happen let's just go make something and this will be our calling card but it ended up taking a long time it ended up taking a tremendous amount of time because i i edited the whole thing i did i worked a, a tremendous amount on on grading it and uh was just heavily involved with every aspect of the post-production and some visual invisible visual effects types things and um was just like because there's so few people working on something like you're either going to do it well and take a long time or you're going to just like have to hack it and i was trying to do it well and so it ended up taking uh, and, and and because there was no money too, like I was also taking other work while doing post oh, wow. on it. Yeah, um, and so that ended up being, I think maybe we started 
I think maybe we started August of 2004, um, if I remember correctly, and had the festival release in 2006. Hmm. And ultimately, the final like distribution release was 2008, I think. Okay, wow. So like almost four years from... Yeah. And then Band of Robbers, uh, when did you and guys then start shooting? Band of Robbers, we, we got started on the script uh, end of 2012, I think. Um, and spent 2013 raising the money and started shooting in 2014, if I remember correctly. I think that's gotcha. Um, so by the time you shot Band of Robbers, did you did you you know obviously your your previous feature had had been out for a while then it wasn't yeah. like something that came right after. Yeah, no. Did it play the, any role? Like, did, did the people who finance? Who, who I finance think a little bit, just in the, like them knowing that okay, we've done this before, yeah, um, and you know that we were able to get all the way through a production. Uh, so at least you know we had shown that level of competence and capability. Right. And in that in that space between uh, Band of Robbers finally being released um, and us. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. The last, uh, the last romantic finally being released, and uh, and you know, the, you know, that's when it like truly finally was finished. Because um, there was even like I did another pass on the on the <laughs> the, the color grade. Like I went through the whole movie again. Um, uh, Sometimes it's hard to let go. Hard, yeah. yeah, and well, also like you know, we were just dealing with the fact that like, I was very aware of the fact that we were shooting mini DV, and I was just like trying to make it the best I could possibly make mini DV. Yeah. Um, and just like use all the tools that I had right. um, access to, to try to make it the best version of it that I could. Was, was Adam uh, acting in it? Yeah, he, he, he acted in that. Yeah. So for people who don't know, Adam also acted in Band of Robbers. Band of Robbers. Also. Yeah. And, uh, but you guys co-directed. And co-directed. Yeah, so Both yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I saw, I actually watched uh, uh, Clark Kent uh, has a dream. Has a dream. Has yeah. a dream. I, I just started watching the first episode yesterday because I knew we were going to have the podcast. And I noticed, uh, I think you're listed as, maybe it was something else, but written by. Oh, you. Adam and, and Ryan Judd. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah. Um, and Ryan Judd, right? Yeah. And so he, he stars, but you're directing it, or was it both of you directing it as well? I think we had co directing credits on that. I, okay. I don't remember how we credited it, but I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it that was, was made in between, right? It was so that was made ben that Roberts. was made in between, and I, and we also shot a pilot for a TV show in between, and that sold to Comedy Central, but it never went to air. Oh wow! Didn't so yeah, so like in between the Last Romantic and Band of Robbers, uh, we shot a pilot. We wrote uh, a couple of different features that we were trying to get off the ground. Um, Adam. Uh, uh, was partnering with somebody else on another series of shorts called Book Club that Comedy Central also picked up, and um, and then I was um, my at that point my visual effects work was really like picking up, and I was sort of finding myself coming up to a crossroads of having right. to figure out do I go deeper into the visual effects or uh, uh, um, keep pushing for trying to get the production off the ground because so far like since the last romantic like all of those things kept stalling out they kept dying in development um and that's that's why with band of robbers so like so i uh had a short that i wrote that i was thinking about making that um and it was going to be kind of visual effects heavy and i, I figured you know that's going to 
take up a similar amount of time to making a feature wow. to make that short. Um, but you would just have a you know, different kind of you know, the, the energy would be going toward those the the, the visual effects side of of that. Um, and I, I you know had been seeing other visual effects oriented shorts um, opening up doors for people that that was the thing that was like i've got the tools at my disposal maybe this is a good is know, there good any, way of using any that. person in particular you were like kind of noting as well oh, this is you know I, 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 a great example is uh garrett edwards with um monsters uh, yeah with with yeah. monsters um that wasn't even a short though that was a that was a feature um but like that neil blomkamp who did uh alive in joburg and then district nine Which is pretty much uh, yeah, so like you have the these um pretty low budget productions that are visual effects heavy and um uh that then open up the doors to right getting other feature film opportunities and and so I had wrote, written a short version and uh had started laying out the feature version of of this and wasn't sure which one I was going to try to do and uh um but in going through that process and like figuring out, okay, well, how much will this cost? How much time will this take? Uh, Adam and I ultimately decided Band of Robbers was our best bet in terms of being able to take control and just say, we're making it. This is when we're making it. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not Fewest waiting for obstacles. Yeah, as few obstacles as possible. Because we really did feel like we needed uh, that too, too much time was going by of things existing in development which um isn't wasn't going to cut it like if any more time went by we were going to kind of any opportunity to get another movie made we were concerned was going to go away we like we needed to make something how long did it take you uh to realize that uh you have to kind of let go of those other projects that were clearly going to uh take too long to make well so some of them they just died a natural death in that like <laughs> they were uh um uh, went through the development project with like so that pilot that we shot um went through development at comedy central got to the end of the line and they're like no we're not moving forward i was like okay well that's that's dead um with some of the other stuff it was too long like again like this is kind of naivete in that it took us too long to realize this isn't going anywhere. Right. Like the team that we've, that we're working with the producers that we're working with, they're not, they're not going to get this thing off the ground. Um, and we, sh- we should have dropped it and moved to something else faster. Another thing is that you know, somebody had given us advice coming off the last romantic. Um, uh, um, hey, you guys should just go out and make a $250,000 movie right now. Well, and we were and we were like no um like we've got to make something where like we're getting a little bit of money out of the budget um because like it it you that that first movie the last romantic like it took me a long time to get out from underneath what it yeah you know the financial the financial of burden of making that movie yeah. and so it's like I'm not going to turn around and do that and now i realize we probably could have gotten a $250,000 movie off the ground back then yeah we were trying to get a $5 million movie off the ground and like that's just a whole other animal um and and it's a thing too that we also like this is part of the naivete is that we didn't realize um like that was kind of a sort of a non-existent 
thing, especially in the early 2000s, there was like this drop where things were either under a million or they were 15 million or above. Yeah. Like 15 million, that was the low budget movie. Um, and so we were in this sort of no man's land in between that was a bad idea. Like we just should have. Five million did, did not exist essentially. Yeah, it didn't exist. Not many people were making those movies. Do people make them now? Not uh, so much. I think Get Out was in that. Right, Ballpark, I think it's like the Blumhouse, uh, yeah. Thing, but even uh, but the, are, but even like the Blumhouse model, like is under a it was under a million, million pretty yeah, yeah. predominantly, True. and we just didn't get that. That was another thing where like we just didn't understand. We were too green to how all that stuff works um, to realize we were on a dead end track, and yeah. so with Band of Robbers, we made the decision: no, we're doing under a million dollar movie. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if we had done that sooner, we probably would have gotten something off the ground faster because Band of Robbers, we were able to get it off within a year, pretty much. Wow. Of having I didn't written realize the script. It was so quick. Yeah. Remember you called me and asked uh, for references for uh, for your first AD. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and that's, I was just off the my film. I yeah. And, the, and that's how we got Jeremy. Who Jeremy, was, yeah. 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 Who also uh, did some some cool stuff recently with the script that he sold? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Curious George yes. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious now. Um, so now you're kind of in a in a new place. Uh, you told me before we started, like you know, a pretty uh, busy time, a lot of stress. You took on two big projects. Yeah, that are probably you know a dream to anyone who sets out you know hoping to become a a, a filmmaker and a writer. Um, I'm curious how things are you know uh, to the extent you can talk about them um, compared to your previous experiences. You know, you're probably I, I my guess is that Masters of the Universe has a little bit more budget than than uh, Band of Robbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know which stage are you guys on, and I'm guess still writing it. But, that, yeah, uh, so that movie is is not a greenlit movie yet. Um, yeah. Same thing with Minecraft, and so with both of those, we are you know hopefully moving toward that green light. But uh, one thing that I've found does just never changes is um, it's always an insecure uh, process. Um, you, whether it's the you know the indie film where you're like, am I going to get my financing, or it's the big movie where the studio is just like, are we really going to spend all this money on right. this property? Like, is it going to you know is it going to be able to make that kind of money back? And and so uh, with uh, with both of the, the 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 big films that we've we've got right now, um, we're still kind of like right back in that same old position of waiting to find out is it going to go is this going to happen yeah well you still need to convince i guess people still want to be convinced and they want to make sure that uh the investment is um is a smart way to go i guess you can understand them but at the same time you know you're i guess what does it mean nowadays to take control yeah because that's that's what it seems like your theme is yeah it's uh um it is the actually like the question that we're asking ourselves right right now is like it, it's one thing when taking control meant okay we'll just do it uh, like you know the way that we got Minecraft and Masters of the Universe 
uh, too, like the next pivot point for us after Band of Robbers, which in some ways maybe was a bigger one and goes back to your question of uh, making a short, is we made a short. Um, we were, we kind of, by some fluke, got into the mix of getting to pitch on the Bumblebee movie. And the Transformers, the Transformers spinoff. spinoff um, yeah. And we're looking at the situation and it's like, hey, here's a, a chance where we're going to get in the room with people who we normally wouldn't be able to get in the room with. Yeah. Um, how do we put our best foot forward? Like, how do we make the most of this opportunity and, and really show them that we can do more than a low-budget indie movie? And so we decided we were going to make a Transformers short. And so... <laughs> we did. Yeah, so that was like, that was our taking control in that situation. Is like we we're just like okay, we're just doing it. Um, we're gonna build a 3D transformer from scratch and yeah, the, bum- um, the bumblebee. Yeah, the, the the bumblebee, and we're you know gonna pull a crew together and you know pull on the you know the resources that that, that we have and the people that we know and relationships. Is it, is it common for for people for like aspiring filmmakers who have a you know. A pitch session, a pitch meeting. They know for for to like go out and actually go and do a short like that. I, I think something like what we did, I guess, was unusual enough that it uh, that short I think got seen by more people than Band of Robbers did. Like it just started going all over the really? place and got us meetings that we wouldn't have before. Right coming right off of doing that pitch, that's we sold a spec script to Paramount out of that pitching process um and wasn't it a problem though that that the short featured you know such a a, you know obviously copyrighted character well we weren't doing it for commercial purposes like we didn't turn around and sell it like we did it as this is part of our pitch and it is in addition to that we also did uh um some animatics for an action sequence um and so did like a really advanced um animatic and made that too and so like this this was the thing where like we just like we really went in hard for this project that we knew uh, nobody was thinking we stood a chance of getting. And out of that, you know, all of these new things opened up because it just it reframed the way that people thought about us. Right. We went from being the guys who can do a little indie movie to even though that little indie movie has like 200 visual effects in it, they're all invisible, exactly invisible effects. Like nobody's thinking that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, doing this where you've got the transformer and all of that, and they looked at it and they go, "Oh, uh, okay, I guess they can do that too." Yeah. Um, and so that opened up a, a lot of doors, and um, it, it, it's it's what made things start taking off to where people started thinking of us differently too, because then we sold a, 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 a spec script to Paramount with JJ Abrams producing it. And so they're like, they're like, oh, okay, well now we've got JJ's stamp of approval on us. Um, and then that opened up. So now people are like, okay, well then they can come pitch on this. And uh, that's, we, we got um, really far down the line with uh, men in black. And that's, uh, uh, how we got to know uh, the folks over at Columbia Pictures and at Sony, um, who then, when Masters of the Universe popped up, they were like, "Come in and tell us how you would do this." And and that happened super fast um, after the short. Uh, yeah, well, also, I mean, like with like Masters of the Universe, like it came really cl- close on the heels of us pitching on Men in Black. Uh, we came in and had like two meetings, and within. 
within less than a week of going in and offering a presentation, we had the job. And but for, it was because of all this other stuff that we had done previously. Of did like, you keep? Did you keep like? Uh, did you keep active? So, for instance, for mass, for for Men in Black, do you also make a? I mean, I guess you didn't make a short on that level, but did. With did those, you? with so with the, those projects, they happen so fast. Like we didn't, it wasn't even a possibility. Time, yeah. um, and uh, and 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 so now we, you know, we have like all of these things become like stamps of approval uh, right. that get put on you to where now people are like, oh well, you know, they got, you know, considered for this big movie. Maybe we should consider them for that big movie, and people just start thinking of you differently. So it all like every, every new project like reframes the way people think about you and yeah. opens up a new possibility. But like you say, you need to be you need to stay proactive. And even though you are attached, quote unquote, to a film, that film itself is not a guaranteed yeah. uh, thing. And and so what today, or let's say, you know, wake up waking up in the morning. I, I think you're probably still a very kind of self-motivated and, and uh, kind of grab the bull by its horn kind of guy. What are you doing now? Well, so uh, it's, it's a mix. Um, some of it is in, is like just the level of work that we are putting into, like have put into these scripts um, where we're just, we're not, you know, phoning it in and not sort of sitting back and going like, okay, this is, you know, here's, here's our pass. We're done. We're just like obsessing over it. Um, another aspect of it is, is that even in the scripting process and even in like a, a project like Minecraft, we're not attached as directors. We're just attached as writers, but we got attached as writers um, in part because we went into our writing pitch with a visual presentation as though we were the directors. Oh, cool. Put together a visual presentation, put together a visual presentation to go with the script, too. Um, just like constantly like selling hard. Yeah. Like just go trying to do that extra thing of what are the tools that we have to sell people on? This will work. Right. Like, Take the risk on this project. Spend the you know hundred million plus uh, uh, on this um, because like look you know we believe in this. Have, do whatever we can to help people visualize it. Help make it feel safe. Make it feel real. Uh, make it feel like this is something that needs to get made. Do you also come from the perspective of like how would you sell that film? In terms of, like what would the billboard look like? Uh, you know, we, we we try to help uh, uh, people visualize that because I know that's important too, just to help them visualize the trailer, you know, visualize, yeah. you know, this is how you're going to sell it and this is how it's going to work and it's going to be great. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we realize that um, even after you have the job, you're still, you still have to keep being a salesman the whole time uh, and, and just, you know, constantly reassuring people that this big financial risky endeavor, that it's going to be worth it. Yeah. What about your financial risk? I mean, you went out and did like this Bumblebee short. Did anybody uh, offer to assist with that, or was it all self uh, self financed again? It was it was pretty much self financed, uh, um, uh, and 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 I don't remember how much we spent on it. It was very little. I think we maybe spent maybe a few grand. I can't remember um, because most of it was just doing the work ourselves um that's crazy yeah um um, i mean 
the work itself that's also money i mean it's yeah. time that it takes you away it from it takes away from other things yeah and that yeah. that is the, the the big risk and it's like there's things like that transformer short too like that stuff is is hard on your health um i cuz i was just for the two or three weeks that we spent making that um just it was taking naps that was kind of it um Wow. Working around the clock. What did you work on? Did you do it uh, at what, what was the software? Maya? Maya, uh, Maya and uh, After Effects. And I was using Pixar's uh, RenderMan oh, for, cool. the, for the rendering. We, we didn't have time to, uh, like, if you look at it, you'll see the Transformer doesn't have any texturing. Like, I wanted to put dirt and scratches and all this stuff. Yeah, it just didn't have time. It just didn't have, like, uh, just even, like, calculating how long it would take to render it. Because um, we were, at this at that point when we decided we were going to do this, then we were like reaching out to our agents saying like, delay the meeting, um, and, you know, delay them making a decision because they wanted to hire a director. And we knew once they hire a director, they're not going to look at whatever we make. Right. And so it wasn't even about like getting the job. It was just about like getting them to look at this and share it with each other and pass it around. And so we were racing to just, be able to finish it in time that they would actually watch our short. Um, and did and you contact? Did you have any outside assistance in, as far as like the visual effects went, or did you all did you make it all by I did, yourself? Did it all? Yeah, I did it all myself. How come? Why didn't you reach out to me, for instance, or to other people that you've worked with in the past? Um, I, I guess in part um, because I had no money to offer. Um, and it wasn't like a thing that it was something I knew that it may never get a public viewing. Yeah. And so like, I felt kind of like I, I couldn't ask somebody to do something that they'll get nothing out of maybe. Um, and, yeah. I mean, and, I, I get, I, I get that. I, I appreciate it a lot because I feel it's, it happens very often that people reach out and are like, you know, I don't have much money, but you know, you'll do it. People are going to watch it. And when, and, and we're already like, you know, pitching the feature version of that. And once we get the feature, you'll clearly be one of the visual effects yeah. artists working on that. And I'm always like, you know, it sounded okay 10 years ago, but uh-huh. nowadays I, I kind of understand how things work and like, you, oh, know, exactly. you can't, like, you can't promise anything like that. Yeah. I, I knew that, um, and this was something like even like for you know, every uh, we had like a skeleton crew helping us out, and we just had we were up front with everybody. Just like I mean, we're this is first of all, we don't think we're going to get this job. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a good. Uh, and so like yeah, and so like we're not doing this because we think we're going to get the Bumblebee movie. We're doing this because this is uh, our chance to get people. You know, like J.J. Abrams saw the short and said, "Oh, you know, let's, let's make a deal." Because, yeah. Um, and so, like, uh, you know, we we knew this was a marketing tool for us as directors, um, and it's not like a thing where we can go, "We're going to get this movie and we'll hire all you and all this stuff." Because we're also just like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like, if we get this movie, we're going to be, you know, digital domain is going to be doing the visual effects. I'm not going to bring right. on my friend who helped me out. Do you ever? Um feel like there's going to be a point in time where you get a meeting, you walk out of it and, and you have this kind of sigh of like, now the hard work has paid off and I don't need to, I don't need to be in control anymore. Like this is yeah. going to be okay. Kind of thing. I think that it, pro- it, it does get safer in some respects. Like even now it's safer in that 
I'm not in a position where I'm taking big financial gambles or like uh, the last romantic was a big financial gamble bigger than I realized it was um, because the the cost of making that went well beyond the budget of the movie. Right. It was just like, even terms of like, I can't do other work until I finish this movie um, or like, you know, very limited in what kind of other work I can do. Um, Band of Robbers, I went into it understanding that like this was going to be three years probably of my life between the writing, the raising the money, the production, the post-production, the going out and promoting it, um, and, and and knowing that's three years that I'm, I'm going to take a financial toll um, uh, on me. Um, and, uh, you know, at least like I, I'm now in that position where the big swings we're taking aren't coming with the same kind of financial, financial risk. risk. Um, but it's still unstable in that, like, you know, every job, let's, worst case scenario, let's say that, you know, Minecraft and Masters, neither of them get greenlit. Um, uh, then you know, I'm back to looking for a job again. Like it's right. like it's still uh, you're still constantly. <laughs> there isn't the like. Okay, now you've got your nine to five job, and there's you know job security or anything like that. Like, do uh, you think that grow? I mean, you haven't shut down the light and grow, so it's basically like kind of a. Is that your your uh, your uh, what do you call it? Like the a safety net. The safety uh, net, yeah. Is that your safety net? Uh, I I think it maybe would have been a little bit of a safety net a couple of years ago. Um, at this point, it would be a little, I think, a little harder to step in and get that going again. Uh, in part, just because I've been sort of so removed that even like... Um, just uh, um, the network side of things, like I think, would take a little bit of rebuilding. I, I think there was something even like a, a year ago or something like that that I had reached out to you for, and you're like, "Oh, I'm not available." Right? Yeah. And I was like, With "The car reflection." Uh, yeah, I was like, "Oh man, I don't have like that pool of people." I, of yeah. people. Like I've 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 lost touch with all of this stuff that um I, with that stuff i ended up sitting down on the computer and like i did it um and it was like <laughs> i remember we were, thinking because that was after banner rob was like oh yeah. no is he back to like <laughs> yeah uh, it was just like i was trying to not lose those clients and try to maintain that stuff i think that's a big that's a big uh point that i actually was was going to ask you about because when you did ban ban well when you actually made the choice the decision not to become a studio, not to have full-time workers, it must mean you had to also give up some additional, like so, some job offers, certain projects that were... It, it limited, yeah. There was, while making Band of Robbers, there were several things that I I just had to say, I can't do it. Um, I, I just don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to take this job. Uh, I thought I was going to lose almost all of my clients because I was saying that so many times. And I thought, you know, they're going to go to somebody else and then that'll become their go-to yeah. know, company. Um, fortunately, that wasn't the case. I, I, I didn't lose everybody. But um, I was certainly, you know, testing the uh, 
the just testing how much they you know appreciated what uh, what they were getting from uh, gotcha. from working with me and my. So company. you'd say some some uh, a good chunk of your clients from back then are still your clients now. Yeah, um, some of it has thinned out. Like some people just uh, ask a lot less often. <laughs> um, you know, there'll have to be like kind of special case projects. Will it be like, hey, can you do this? But you know, you can you can only say no to people so many times and uh um and uh we, you know without that infrastructure and without like a stable enough pool of freelancers you just have to do it like you have to say no do you ever kind of fantasize fantasize the idea of like um somehow turning grow into your version of like bad robot like the jj abrams kind of yeah i i think that uh that is a a a likely later step um except for the fact that i don't particularly like running a company like i didn't get into it because i want to like run a company um uh you know i got into it one because like i was enjoying like the hands-on yeah side of it and then out of enjoying the hands-on side of it then there was the i need the money right um and uh um the idea of putting uh you know building out a company that is a sort of catch-all production company like bad robot that's that's doing visual effects and post-production and um you know and they've got their hand in video games and things like that and um that uh, while at the same time you know being a part of star wars and you know, right, giant crazy. productions like that and and shooting things you know, they shoot things right there at the offices really yeah that. uh including stuff for star wars um like they had there at the offices parts of the millennium falcon um wow where yeah. are they located in uh um uh uh santa monica oh okay yeah, yeah. And you were there, needless to say, because yeah. you you've met with JJ. Was I'm, I'm assuming over there? Yeah. Um, that's cool. Well, I wish you. Good, what, I wanted to ask. Well, I guess it's a good time to kind of reach, conclude. And I think the uh, the final question is, which I, I think I know the answer to. But like, if if you had to kind of to give any advice to people, uh, you know, like you or yourself a few years ago, uh, who are um, in the visual effects or post-production field, but have aspirations to kind of become independent and tell their own stories, what would that be? Uh, it would be to, one, you have to just do it and not wait for somebody to give you permission to do it because they're not likely to. <laughs> and the other thing is in just going out and doing it, go into it fully prepared for it costing you a tremendous amount in terms of just like physically taxing and emotionally taxing. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was just recently talking to, to somebody about this. Um, and I was just like, you need to be ready for what this is going to do to your marriage. Um, really? <laughs> because it's, uh, you know, how it's, recent was that? <laughs> it, it was actually this morning. I was before really? coming here, I was <laughs> meeting with somebody else, um, about a project that they want to work on. And, and, and just like trying to be frank of like, I'm, I don't want to discourage you from doing this because you have to. Like if, if, if this is what you want, you have to go out and do it. You can't wait till you're going to have a good, safe, easy opportunity 
because that almost certainly is not going to come. Uh, so you have to, you're going to have to take a risk at some point and just know it's going to be a big risk and it's going to take a toll on you because you're going to, you're going to put your family's finances at risk. You're going to, you know, have no time for your relationships and you're going to, and then for the time that you do have for your relationships, you're going to be exhausted and short fused and uh, not ready to, you know, be support emotionally supportive or whatever. Um, Is that person aware of, of your backstory of, of what, <laughs> what you had to go through to get to this place? Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, even then they still think you, you have uh, to kind of pay attention yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, and I think um, um, that's I, 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 that is a thing that um, it, you you need to be able to uh, go after it, but go after it with your eyes wide open of just knowing that it's is going to be hard, um, and that's not shouldn't be like a discouragement to don't do it, but. Go in prepared. Yeah, uh, you know, go go into it prepared to do hard things and do hard things for a long time. Right. Um, because if you go in there thinking it's going to be easy, and then you run into the obstacles, it's real easy to go, "Oh, I made a mistake," um, or something's gone wrong. I, you know, it shouldn't shouldn't be this way. It's like you know, it is going to be that way, um, and you know, just know that and be ready for it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I think, uh, I mean, I think it, it was very eye-opening. I've learned a lot of new things about you that I didn't even know, <laughs> even though we, we know each other for a while. Uh, and I really appreciate it. It's very generous of you to uh, share oh, all of that with us. It's my pleasure. It's great to sit down and hang out. Awesome. Anytime, anytime. When you do your own podcast, your own uh, podcast, and I owe you a favor. All right. Yeah. <laughs> This was episode four of the Post Post podcast. I realized I didn't ask Aaron where he can be found in social media or things like that. I do believe that he does not have a Twitter or a Facebook account, but I will post a link to his website uh, for the company Grow. And I know Adam Me, his brother, does have a Twitter account and can be easily found. So if you want to follow their work, I'm sure you can do that through Adam and uh, just look for Adam Nee, that's N-E-E. Um, anyway, hope to see you next week. Uh, we're going to have Uzi Moore here. And until then, uh, have a great week and uh, see you later at the Post Post Podcast. <laughs>